Hi, I'm David Rothkopf, the CEO of the DSR Network and host of the Deep State Radio podcast. Here at DSR, we have always believed that in a world as complex, fast-moving, and full of risks as ours, we all need access to the best minds. That is why we have created the leading network for expert podcasts on the issues of the day you care about. We go in-depth on politics, the law, national security, foreign policy, intelligence, defense, climate, and new technologies with regular and special guests that are the leading voices in their fields. We also offer daily updates on global news, our DSR Daily, and on a key story of the day through our partnership with the New Republic. That is why over a million times a month, people like you choose to spend time with our hosts and guests. Membership is what supports this, and members get special benefits, including bonus content in virtually all of our podcasts. It's a big deal, and it's a good deal. Our monthly membership price is going to go up for the first time in our history on March 1st. So now is the time you can lock in our founder's rate of just $5 a month. To do so, go to the dsrnetwork.com and click on membership. It's that easy, but don't delay. Today's rates will only be available for a few more weeks. Join us, support us. Go to the dsrnetwork.com right now. Thank you. This is the Daily Blast from the New Republic, produced and presented by the DSR Network. I'm your host, Greg Sargent. In extraordinary deference to Donald Trump, virtually all Senate Republicans joined together Wednesday to block a bipartisan bill that would have given Republicans much of what they themselves wanted on border security. Republicans had demanded that aid to Ukraine must be paired with border policy changes. So senators from both parties negotiated a compromise over months, only to kill it after Trump commanded them to, in order to have an issue against President Biden this fall. But the GOP's performance may be even more craven than it first seemed. Here to talk to us today is Democratic Senator Michael Bennett of Colorado, who was involved in the talks at an early stage and conferred regularly with GOP senators including GOP leadership, throughout the process. He has some striking things to tell us. Welcome, Senator Bennett. Thanks, Greg, for having me. That was a pretty boring, low-energy day down at the Capitol, right, Senator? Uh, It always runs right according to plan here in this great democracy of ours. Yeah. The bill that Republicans blocked, joined by a few Democrats, included some $20 billion to fortify border security and beef up asylum processing. The bill would have made it harder to qualify for asylum, expanded detention, given the president new removal authorities, and resulted in the faster deportation of untold numbers of migrants who didn't meet asylum requirements. However, the bill also included 250,000 new green cards, immediate work permits to many migrants, legal representation for migrant kids, and beefed up asylum adjudication, which is essential to making the system work. It would have preserved Biden's parole programs, which admit tens of thousands of migrants each month. 
And yet the compromise really did seem heavily skewed toward Republican priorities, no? Uh, I would agree with that. I think that's, that's, that's true, um, partly because of the situation that we're in today. I was part of the Gang of Eight in 2013 that negotiated a very different bill that had a pathway to citizenship for the 11 million people that are undocumented, that had uh, the most progressive DREAM Act that had ever been written. The circumstances are a little different right now, in part because um, these transnational gangs have have created a billion dollar business, billions of dollars business, smuggling human beings all over, from all over the world to the southern border of the United States. And it has created a situation where the border really is chaotic. And I think the Republicans were taking advantage of that. But I also have to honestly say, I think that the Biden administration and the Democrats in the Senate had a responsibility to address that. And the and the and so the, the sort of leverage points here were different than they were in 2013. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that you point out that the the current bill is is significantly to the right of the uh, compromise on immigration reform that passed out of the Senate in 2013. And we should remember that passed with something like 68 votes, uh, around a dozen or more Republicans, right? It passed with exactly 68 votes. And it, important to remember that John McCain and Lindsey Graham were leading that negotiation for the Republican Party. I can tell you they were in that room because it was the right thing to do. That's principally why they were there. But they also believed in those days, it seems so long ago, that the Republicans would never elect another Republican president if the Republicans in the Senate didn't help fix our broken immigration system. Well, they turned out to be totally wrong about that because they then had a Republican nominee who rode that escalator down, you know, rode down that escalator at Trump Tower, said Mexicans are rapists. And the next thing you know, that guy is not only winning the Republican nomination for president, he actually is president. And he's the most anti-immigrant president that the United States has ever had. And that has obviously adjusted the way the Republicans think about immigration from the time that we were negotiating that bill in 2013. You know, it's funny. There's a deep irony here. In 2013, Republicans thought that they couldn't win another presidential race if they didn't fix our immigration system or participate in a solution. Now they think they can't win another presidential race if they do fix our immigration system. And and so, as you say, the the current bill is... I would say Democrats have to consider or at least um, uh, reflect on plant um, uh, and and, and understand that it is maybe a 50-50 proposition that that anti-immigrant Republican could actually get elected president again, which is something we have to avoid. Right. I understand that that Democrats, especially in difficult states and districts, have to consider that. So as you say, the bill, the current bill is significantly to the right of the 2013 compromise. And yet in spite of all that, earlier this week, there was a sudden stampede of Republican senators coming out against the bill after Trump demanded it. One excuse Republicans have given for this is that the bill supposedly won't do anything to secure the border. Now, you spoke to Republican senators throughout this process. What were they saying privately about this bill as it came together? 
I think they were at the beginning, they were saying privately that we are not going to do Ukraine unless you do something on the border. Serious, you know, do something serious on the border. And they saw it as a a leverage point. I mean, I think it's probably putting a gun to America's head to say that um, you're we're going to fulfill our obligation to Ukraine uh, based on whether or not we can satisfy the right wing of the Republican Party on immigration. And I actually don't think that was McConnell's preference. I think he would have done the Ukraine deal without immigration. But that was the that was the price that was insisted upon in the caucus. And I do think there was a moment when the Biden administration made their their proposal uh, uh, in the fall, uh, which was a really serious proposal. And they knew that there would be people in the Democratic Party that would be really mad by that proposal. They could see that. And therefore, they thought, well, that looks like a real proposal along the lines of what we could accept. Maybe we can get a deal done here. I think that was the sort of high watermark for the Republicans. Right. So so they, they started this out saying to themselves, OK, we have a great extortion opportunity here. Um, right. And, and but right. but what I want to ask you, though, is did Republicans privately admit that the bill would have done what they actually wanted done? They admitted that and they admitted that they would never get a bill this um, al- aligned with um, uh, their, uh, insist- their, their view of what would be useful for securing the border than this bill. I, I think they believe that to this day, most of them. I, don't, I think they, they don't believe that they would be able to get such a bill with a Democratic minority in the Senate. Right. I think McConnell has talked, Mitch McConnell has talked about that. So just to be clear, though, Republicans, who you were conferring regularly with Republicans, right? Yes. They were yep. privately admitting that the bill actually would do what they wanted to wanted done at the border. And, and a number of them were saying to you uh, something to that effect, right? Um, they were saying, we know we'll never get a tougher bill than this. Were they saying that we to you? They were saying that we we're never going to get a tougher bill. Was that a, fair, a thing you heard from a number of Republican senators privately? From, yes, yes, yeah. Okay, so so all right, so you talked to Mitch McConnell fairly regularly throughout all this. What was his understanding of all these dynamics? I, I've I got that was I, well. I don't. I'll, I'll say my. I think that he was. Uh, I think he believed more than anybody. You know, maybe myself included that uh, the most important thing we got to do is get Ukraine funded, and. And he believed that it was going to be a requirement to getting that done to to have to address, you know, addressing the border was going to be a requirement to get that done. And he understood that. I don't think he was insisting on that, but he knew that his caucus was insisting on that. Uh, I think he always thought that there was a risk that Donald Trump would blow up that deal. But I think he hoped that there would be enough Republican votes in the end to be able to get it past the Senate and get it to the House. Yeah, well, I guess in some sense he underestimated Trump's Jedi mind control over large swaths of his caucus. Uh, I think that's true. 
So the dynamic that's obvious to everyone is that Republicans did Trump's bidding, uh, hurting the country and preventing us from addressing a major national problem, a crisis, they said, to help Trump politically against Joe Biden. Did Democrats challenge them in such terms behind closed doors? Did, did Democrats say to Republicans, why are you bending the knee for this man? Uh, we, I think we definitely did. I mean, we, they, we said and they knew that this was a serious attempt to address the border and, and, and that, um, that it was, I think, a mistake to allow Donald Trump to sink this legislation, which he did. Yeah. So, okay, some liberals look at this situation and say, well, what did you expect, Democrats? I, I mean, Republicans almost never negotiate in good faith. This has been the case for years. Uh, here, the result has been that Democrats, and this is what I think a lot of liberal critics would say, uh, the result has been that Democrats spent months helping to prop up the fiction that Republicans are motiv motivated by a genuine desire to secure the border, just to just allowing, uh, only accomplishing the following, Republicans can now say, look, we worked to secure the border for months, but we just couldn't get there. Uh, Democrats wouldn't give us quite enough to secure the border. Is, is, d d can we learn from this? Um, I don't think that's what they're going to say, because that's not what they're saying. What they're okay. saying is that Joe Biden is a lawless president and Joe Biden won't do anything to secure the border or protect the border. I think Joe Biden has spent four months trying to negotiate a deal that's hard for him to do politically uh, because uh, because he knows that the border is overwhelmed, which it is. And uh, cities like Denver and Chicago and New York are seeing the result of a, of a, a situation where we have had the, the border has been overwhelmed and we we have not been up to it. And I believe the American people are demanding more of that of their elected officials than we're getting. Other people might disagree, but I believe that. I think it was very important for the president to demonstrate that he understands that. And I think as he goes into this election in, in 24, he's now going to be able to make the case that a very serious border security proposal was negotiated in Congress, that he was going to sign it, and that Donald Trump made it impossible for it to pass purely to try to continue to pound the bruise on immigration at the southern border and increase his chances of being elected president. Now, he, we don't win that argument by making that argument, but I do think Joe Biden has the opportunity to make that argument now because of the effort that was made to get us to this point. Yeah. I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, should Democrats go into these types of things a bit more clear-eyed about how Republicans really function? I mean, look, the bottom line is I think we all know the subtext of this story is that Republicans aren't actually driven by a desire for border security, right? They're, they're driven by hostility to immigration, racially motivated, right. mo racially motivated or otherwise. I mean, one key sticking point for Republicans was that they couldn't gut Biden's parole programs, which really meant they wanted to use uh, extortion tactics to roll back a type of legal immigration that actually diverts pressure away from the border. Um, and, and look, so ultimately the Republican position was that any deal that enables the immigration system to work better as a non-starter precisely because more migrants will keep coming in effectively and efficiently. 
I feel as if, am I wrong about this? Democrats don't ever quite state it forthrightly enough that Republicans don't actually want border security. Is that, is that, a, is that a fair criticism? I actually think if you look at the facts of the 2013 bill, the attempts in 2018 and the attempts in 24, that it would be, it's very possible to conclude that elected Republicans in Washington, D.C., don't want border security. They want the political issue. I do believe that people at home, Republicans, uh, independents, and and unaffiliated voters in my uh, purple state uh, don't want to see chaos at the border. They want to have a system that works. Par- kids and of people that have been working in fields in Colorado and across um the Western United States for the last 30 or 40 years and whose parents have never been able to have access to a pathway to citizenship know that chaos at the border doesn't help them get access to that pathway to citizenship. They know that having Donald Trump as president doesn't get people access to that citizenship, including the dreamers. So notwithstanding what the Republican politicians in Washington might want or not want, I can tell you that is how people at home see this. And it is a failure that has, in a small way, political consequences for the Democratic Party, but much more important for that, has consequences for people who want this country, for a variety of reasons, to uh, have a strong system of lawful immigration, to ensure that the people that are today in the shadows can come out of the shadows, and that we can have the economic benefit of that system. That's where I'm coming from. And I can tell you, Chuck Schumer and I, who are two of the four Democratic members of the Gang of Eight, who saw the Freedom Caucus destroy a bill that we passed with 68 votes in the Senate, are not naive when it comes to negotiating uh, with the Republicans on this issue. Quite the opposite. The question is whether under the current circumstances, we could get to a place where Joe Biden would be able to say to the American people that uh, in a put in a position to have to, he didn't ask for this negotiation. The Republicans were the one who demanded the negotiation. Whether he could be put in the position of being able to say, we made things a little bit better from the perspective of the chaos the American people are seeing at the southern border. The answer to that is no, because of what the Republicans did. But I think we're going to litigate this in this election. And I and I like our position in that in that election. Yeah. And, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the transformation of the Southwest. It's sort of lost on a lot of people, not you, obviously. But um, so all all four of the key Southwestern states, Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona and, and Colorado, are are represented by senators who are caucusing with Democrats, and that's that's right. a that's a sea change. Um, yeah. I, I think George W. Bush won all four of those states in two thousand four, nice. um, and and so it's interesting to me that pundits keep saying that Republicans have the advantage on immigration when you see a transformation like that happening uh, in the border's backyard, as it were. Um, but I want to ask you about this because you you touched on this before, right? There's a clear case that Democrats can make, right? We just got some new data showing that immigrants are one of the big reasons that the economy is doing so well. Paul Krugman wrote about that as well. 
um, the, and that's be, I think that's becoming clear. I, I wonder, I think you, this is an argument you probably make, but I don't hear President Biden saying immigration is driving our great economy, right? We have yeah. to manage it for the right. good of the country and Republicans right. should step up and help us manage immigration in a way that keeps the economy booming. Is I just I don't hear Democrats saying enough right. that right. immigration is good for our country. It's, it's hard to overstate actually how important it is to our country. If you look over the last hundred years or so of our of our economic history, what you see is that we have had on average every year three percent of economic growth, and two percent of that has been organic. One percent of that has been immigration. Literally a third of our economic growth over the last century has been due to immigration. And if you're not going to have a system of immigration that that is that works and is lawful, you're cutting off a third of our economic growth. And by the way, that's even more true when you see the population trends that are happening in the United States of America. And I just got back from India. I've spent some time there. That country has 1.3 billion people. China has one or has 1.4 billion people. China has 1.3 billion. We have 330 million people. To this day, to this day, there is nobody crawling across the Gobi Desert to try to get to Beijing. It doesn't happen. They want to come to the United States of America. And that is a huge asset that we have uh, in our competition with these other societies that are organized in very different ways than we are organized. And I'll tell you something. Greg, one of the things that really worries me about the debate that we've had on immigration here is that we're going to forget that it's not enough to try to secure the border. That's important, but that's not enough. You have to have a system of lawful immigration and you have to have a system for the people, as I said, that have been here for decades and decades and decades to finally come out of the shadows so they can make their fullest contribution to our society you know, to the democracy and to our economy. And that was not even on the table in this negotiation, as you said. Yeah, which is an amazing thing. Um, I think you can actually draw a through line here from the Republican insistence that the economy is terrible right through to what they're doing on immigration, right? Um, they or, or I would draw a through line that say, if the, you elect Republican leadership to the White House and to the House and to the Senate, Watch out, because if they are really going to pursue the immigration policies they're talking about pursuing, um, you better ask where the talent's going to come from uh, in, in the United States. I mean, obviously, we've got people here that we that we can rely on, but it's not one of the great virtues that we've had has been the third of the, the, the part of our economic growth that's coming from immigration. And that's in our high tech companies, but it's also in, you know, our farms and our ranches and and increasingly being seen in the uh, inability to fill healthcare jobs in rural America. I mean, can just consider how hard it is to keep hospitals open, to keep doctors practices open in rural America and the number of people that would like to come from other places in an orderly process to be able to to do those jobs and to be able to keep those communities uh, 
vibrant. Right. I mean, I think there's a way that Biden and Democrats could say Trump slash GOP immigration policies would wreck our booming economy and hurt places in the American heartland that are that are that often feel left behind. Um, I think they, yeah, I think that's honest, and I think that's true. I think their trickle down policies would wreck our economy as well. Right. I think those two things could be tied together. I mean, there, there's there's something of an opportunity here for Democrats. Final question: it, it, some, it sometimes seems as if the media coverage doesn't really accurately portray GOP extortion tactics or adequately capture the level of kind of stratospheric bad faith Republicans exhibit in such situations. Um, is there, now that they've done this, is, is there a way for Democrats to kind of grab the bull by the horns and be a whole lot more blunt and forthright with the, with the public about GOP extortion and bad faith? Is there, is there an opportunity to do that in some way that really kind of breaks through the, the kind of tendency of the press to treat Republican positions as if they're, as, as if they're, you know, as if they're kind of the equivalent of democratic ones in, in such situations. Well, we, need, we need people to be willing to actually look at the facts and understand what the facts are here. You know, now they're Republicans. I heard him today on TV before I was on, 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 on the television. You hear people saying, Oh, the Biden, the problem, we don't need to pass a bill. You know, the president can do what the president, what, what we need the president to do to secure the border. We just have a lawless president. These are exactly the same people who insisted that the price of passing Ukraine aid was that we had to pass a bill because you, no president could do what was needed without passing a bill. And by the way, a bunch of stuff Trump tried to do, the courts threw out, you know, and they know you can't, for example, change the asylum standard without actually passing a law. So I think that hypocrisy is very clear in this case. The other thing is, well, as these guys were trying to pass, you know, an impeachment measure for Mayorkas uh, in the House of Representatives, it occurred to me, first of all, they were unsuccessful. But second, they've completely impeached themselves on the subject of immigration, completely have impeached themselves. And I think that Joe Biden can make a strong argument uh, going into this election, that he's the one that has tried to 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 try to strengthen the border, and that the Republicans have prevented him from doing it for political gain, and and much more, or or equally as important, that Biden has a vision for the country and for immigration that's actually going to grow our economy, as opposed to the the vision that the Republicans. Yeah, and you actually, I think, uh, put your finger on an important an important point there about Trump. I think Democrats could also be forcefully saying that Trump and and his MAGA propagandists are completely rewriting the story of his presidency. He didn't fix the system. Um, he, he failed to fix the system. He failed to fix the system. It's absolutely true. You know, I mean, the conditions have changed. People need to recognize yeah. that there are many more people coming to the southern border today than when President Obama was president. President Bush was president, and even President Trump was president. It's true. And that we need to um, respond to those changing circumstances. It is absolutely true that Donald Trump did not fix the border, nor should the record reflect 
Did he ever get Mexico to pay for his wall? He didn't do that either. Faced with an economy where we've had 50 years of the, the people at the very top benefiting and, and working people not benefiting, the world is full of tyrants who show up and say that um, in the face of that, we should blame immigrants for that. In the face of that, we should you know destroy our democracy. I think what we're trying to do is propose an economy where, where, where as the president says, it grows from the middle out and that immigration, a functional immigration system, can actually help build economic um, uh, opportunity for the entire country. And that's a huge difference. It, it, certainly, it certainly would be a powerful message, you would think. Well, Senator Michael Bennett, thanks so much for giving us your time today. Greg, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to The Daily Blast with me, your host, Greg Sargent. The Daily Blast is a New Republic podcast and is produced by Riley Fessler and the DSR Network.